everyone, Terry Welbrock here, host of the Healing Place podcast. So for those who don't know, the Healing Place podcast is has a fiscal sponsor um, and is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. And uh, it helps fund the, the show. I have self-funded it through these almost five years now. In July, it will be five years. I just can't even wrap my head around it, but that's amazing and wonderful with coming in on 250 shows. Um, so it just helps offset. I was able to buy a new microphone, new laptop um, for editing purposes, new camera. Um, plus there's fees for um, the hosting site and so forth, the website and so and all of that. So then um, this just helps when I do these fundraising drives to, to offset it. So I just want to thank uh, the sponsors from a recent little fun drive that I did. Fractured Atlas is giving away $1,000 to 20 different projects. And the more donations that are made, those count towards a chance to be chosen as one of those. Uh, I don't want to say win, but I guess they are going to randomly choose. So I guess it is kind of winning. Um, 20 projects. So every donation that I get, whether it's $5 or $500, it's, um, it counts. So yay. Um, so first let me thank, um, in Ryder Buck's memory, a uh, donation was made and I'm so very grateful for that generous donation. Previous podcast guest, Nate Rifkin, also, and I'm going to put links for all of these uh, individuals down below. So if you want to um, visit their sites and the work that they're doing, listen into those conversations because they're just amazing conversations. Uh, several of these guests have books and programs that can help guide you along your healing journey. And uh, Melanie Ryan, so uh, the Golden Shadow Method. Um, again, I'm so very, very grateful to the generosity of folks. Um, some have donated uh, privately and anonymously, so I will not name them. And again, just so thankful for everyone who supports the show, supports my mission, the dream, and all of you for tuning in. So thank you so much. And now for another wonderful episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and just so very thrilled to have with me today, Lottie Valentine. And she is, oh my gosh, there's, there's so much amazing stuff here, I can't even begin to tell you. The intuitive physician. She's an NMD, author, medical intuitive, evidential psychic, medium, Oh my gosh, ancestral healer and international keynote speaker. And she's also a speaker and teacher on the Shift Network, which many of you know. I've told you over the last few weeks that I am now doing affiliate uh, partnership with Shift Network. So I'm so excited. I'll be putting her stuff out on, on all of social media too. So welcome. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be a guest on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I don't know if I put this out on the podcast because I think I just found it out this week. So I'll share it here with you right now. Uh, I found out through Listen Notes, which is a, um, a search engine for podcasts, that the Healing Place podcast is now in the 2.5% top globally out of 2.8 million podcasts. So <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> I was, it was so exciting. So I'm kind of way up here on my energy level because I'm so thrilled about messages like yours just reaching an audience across the globe. That's, a, that's truly amazing because there are a lot of podcasts out there and to have that kind of a following across the world. So kudos for you. Oh, for, thank you. For thank climbing you. that ladder. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I just, I feel like so incredibly blessed mm -hmm. to just have these wonderful people come into my life and, uh, and you have now been added to that. So yeah, let's dive in and talk a little bit about um, the work you're doing in the world. Sure. So uh, the work I'm doing in the world, let's see, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> let me just go back, backtrack a little bit so people understand how I ended up in this work. And I had two near-death experiences in the past when you die or come close to death and you leave your body and you have some spiritual experience. And that was in 1992 and 94. 
And then I was really sick for a good six years. It really took 12 years to heal that. And then um, I decided I wanted to go back to work and I started looking for things to study. And I landed on this internet page that said naturopathic medical school to become a naturopathic doctor. And I said, I can't go to medical school. I'm in my forties now. What am I thinking? That's not, not a good idea. Right. Cause you know, your kids are teenagers now. And even if I took all the prerequisites, there is no guarantee I would even be accepted into medical school. And during these 12 years after my near-death experiences, I became more and more clairvoyant. So I started seeing things before they happen. I started hearing things, you know, this person is sick, this person is going to die and your children are in trouble. You're going to be in a car accident. And it was just this constant flow. And I had a very materialistic view of the world before I had my near-death experiences. So I was a complete atheist. I didn't believe in anything. And then I had these experiences. And so it took a very long time for me to sort of start trusting in these messages. And I was literally guided to go to medical school. And so I went to medical school when I was 54. I did all my prereqs, the chemistry, biology, organic chemistry, and all the different classes, and then applied. And I applied to two schools and I was accepted at both. And you know, going to med school and I was 54 now, you know, once I got there, I said, this is a mistake. What did I sign up for? What am I thinking? Anyway, so I went to medical school and then I graduated in 2016. And it's after I graduated that I was then guided again to go study mediumship at Arthur Findlay College in England. And I, I met this woman and she said, you know, I'm a medium and I have your mother with me and she has a message for you. And I was literally laughing, even though I had been going through this now for, you know, 20 years or something. I was still doubting that you could actually bring in a spirit for somebody else. I said, it's one thing for me to get messages. It's one thing if I hear my mom in the spirit world or see my uncle, but this woman doesn't know anything about me. How is she supposed to know anything? Well, she started talking about, oh, you were a child and you went fishing with your grandmother. I was like, how does she know this? This is such an unusual childhood because I grew up in Sweden, in northern Scandinavia. And anyway, so after my mom told this, this woman three times that I had to go study mediumship at Arthur Findlay College in England, I said, okay, that, that's it. I'll do it. And I had literally just graduated. I graduated in June of 2016. I took my medical boards in August and there's two boards. First, you take the clinical boards after two years. I mean, after science boards. And then after the, you graduate, you take the clinical boards. I didn't even know if I had passed yet. I was hoping I had passed, but it takes about two months to even get the results. So I'm, I'm meeting this woman for dinner that I met at this seminar. And she just keeps telling me, you have to go. You have to go. This is what your mother is telling you. So six months later, I found myself at Arthur Findlay College in England. And sure enough, of course, you can bring in a spirit for somebody else if you just learned how to open that up. Because you're already, I was already connected. I was already receiving messages. And it was just a matter for me to learn how to channel that information so that I could call it in when I needed it to come in versus somebody's here. Somebody's giving me a message, all right, <laughs> which is different. And, and I think that's how we, most of us experience life. Because when I work with people, they'll say, you know, I'm pretty sure it's my grandmother that keeps telling me these things because they sense it because we are intuitive creatures, but we have to tune into it. And so then I learned um, how to channel that information and how to you know, bring that information in on demand so that I could bring in a spirit to give messages of, of healing and forgiveness to the clients. And so you asked how I ended up working as I'm, <laughs> what I'm working as now. So of course, now it's been about five years of this merging of mediumship and psychic abilities and, you know, training to channel that with my, together with my medical degree and my, you know, everything else that comes along with studying medicine, learning the anatomy and all the counseling that comes along with that. So now there ha it's, ha it's become this integration. And when I work with people spiritually, so I divide my time 
between working as a physician two or three days a week. And then I have an, another website. So my physician website is drlottie.com. And then my spiritual website is divinespiritualessence.com. And that's where people can book sessions for medical intuitive or wholehearted, which is a, either psychic, you know, people come to a crossroad in their life. They're, you know, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, we t- I tune into, well, I, I'm feeling you're this kind of a personality. And have you ever considered working in this field? And they're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Right. So, but it's people, you need that confirmation sometimes because they're in that same position. I was when the spirit world told me I had to go to med school. And I said, what am I crazy? I can't do this. I'm in my forties. Right. So we all come to these crossroads. So it's either that or bringing in the spirit uh, from the spirit world. But then I also work with ancestral healing. And that is something that I trained in after I graduated again. It is a form of counseling. So it's family constellations. And that um, started happening. I started seeing the patterns of uh, family trauma while I was working as a medium with people. And I would have, I had about four clients in a row that all showed me the ancestral trauma passed down. And I would see the grandmother and I would see the abuse that she suffered. And then I would see the children. And then I would see that, you know, person remarrying the same kind of person as her father. And then, you know, now it's the client in front of me and the pattern just repeated through the generations. And so then that led me to study um, ancestral trauma. So now I work with that also on the spiritual side, because I often work with my spirit guides, the client spirit guides, or, um, you know, diseased loved ones in the spirit world or not loved ones in the spirit world, people that have caused them trauma, but sometimes these spirits come in and um, they'll show me images of their childhood and I understand right away what happened, but then I'll see the childhood of that person. And I'll say, you know, your father, you know, had alcoholic parents, nobody cared for him. He's showing me there's no food in the refrigerator. Um, he didn't have anybody to teach him how to be. And so you know, he did his best when he raised you, but there was all this trauma because he had trauma, right? And it gets passed down. So there is this integration of, you know, me working as, as a naturopathic physician, which is somebody who is trained in uh, pharmaceutical medications, just like any MD. And I live in Arizona. So I'm an NMD, naturopathic medical doctor here. And we have pretty much almost the exact same rights as a regular MD. But not all states are licensed in the United States. I think about half of them are licensed. So there's the, it's like the chiropractors were, you know, about whatever, 20 years or something. Right, right. Um, it, the licensing is not in place yet for all states. Um, so I work, um, you know, with people, uh, treating them with botanical medicine, uh, acupuncture, homeopathy, uh, you know, toxins and Lyme disease, you name it. But also I work with, pharmaceutical medication, because I'm also trained in that because we just have a bigger tool bag. So we have more tools in a sense to, to treat the person. And then I work with them spiritually, um, you know, healing the emotional and spiritual component, because that is always tied in to our physical, right? It's very difficult to heal somebody physical, physically, unless you incorporate a more holistic view. And we talk a lot about this in in articles and, but it's not that easy to do um, working as a physician because we have to, we have to treat patients based on our our licensing and what is considered the gold standard of, of, you know, this person presents with a specific diagnosis and this is how you treat that. And so you kind of have to stay within those boundaries that have been set in place for medical licensing. So it's difficult to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to your father in the spirit world. Right. So it has to be in a different business. Right. <laughs> so that's, right. Why, <laughs> that's why they're separated. So one is a spiritual business and one is you see me as a doctor, I will run lab tests and I will diagnose you and you know, prescribe as needed. But if you want to work with me, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, then, you know, you can go to divine spiritual essence and you can book uh, any kind of session that you want on that website, you just find a date and time, and then you can book it on your on your own. So it makes it easy. Wow, 
That's wonderful. But I love, I mean, how amazing is that, that you really are incorporating mind, body, spirit. I mean, yeah, you have to split it in two, but (laughs) I mean, that's just what a beautiful gift because I know on my healing journey over this last year, trying to find a holistic practitioner and somebody who, because I'm, I'm very much am in tune with needing all of that address to get to the root cause and not just throw a pill at it and mask the symptom. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's hard to find that. So what a gift that is you give to folks. Yeah, it is really hard. And I often see people on, um, my medical intuitive. So I work two different ways. Well, I always work with the spirit world when I work with somebody intuitively, um, because sometimes people just show up on my screen and then they'll tell me, you know, I have this problem, this problem. And I'll say, um, well, do you have this other problem? Because I keep hearing this diagnosis from the spirit world. And, yeah. and then they say, well, I don't know. Nobody ever told me if I have that. And I said, do you have any of these symptoms? And then sure enough, yes, 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 yes. And so something for, you know, this is just how, how it works. And it, we are such divine creatures and we are yes. interconnected with everything that is. And people you know, come, they're guided to see me because I obviously have some information for them that they need because that's how it works. You're, you feel drawn to, to have a session or consultation with somebody. It's typically because there is something there for you. Right. Right. And there are many different type of medical conditions that sometimes you can't see it on an MRI or ultrasound or CT scan. People are told there is nothing wrong with them. It's just in your head and your lab work looks fine. And, and people are not well, they're suffering from something. I mean, why would you make up that you're feeling terrible for 10 years? Why would you do that? Right. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I remember a year ago, March, I told my family just sobbing. I feel like I've been poisoned. Like I just kept saying, I feel like I've been poisoned. There's something in me that's trying to attack me. I've been poisoned. And I felt like, you know, crazy woman, like I I can't explain it. I can't tell you what's going on. I just feel like it. Doctor after doctor, emergency room visits that nobody could figure it out. Finally, thankfully listened to the little taps on my shoulder, my spirit guides and angels directing me and found my way to a nutritionist who said, um, have you, do you think you've been exposed to mold? And I was like, no. Well, here, long story short, uh, we found out our home that we had just purchased here on Hilton Head Island had been condemned for uh, mold tox- mold growth. And no one told us before we bought it. So they had slapped on this pretty paint and all these new, everything was redone and it looked gorgeous, but mm-hmm. lurking behind the walls. Um, and I had mycotoxin poisoning. And so just to be justified in that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm not so crazy, but yeah, (laughs) why would I be making up? You know, I feel like I've been poisoned and doctors were like, yeah, I actually had a doctor say, well, I think what we're going to do is put you in some anti-anxiety medication. And I was like, it's not anxiety. (laughs) Classic, (laughs) right? It's classic. I mean, there is actually a term for it it's called gaslighting so Mm -hmm. you know you go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't take you seriously and he gives you you know some other medication that's not even that's not your problem but they do that they I see that all the time and people are given all these different you know sometimes they have digestive issues and they're given the proton pump inhibitors right but the truth is they might actually have too little acid and that's what's causing their acid reflux so sometimes you if you're not digesting well so it can be the opposite of what you are sometimes given. So the symptoms then become worse because now you have even less stomach acid. And, but it's the same, but there's so many conditions like that, that, you know, we, the, the Western medicine is really in bed with the pharmaceutical industry. And there is, you know, we're taught, of course, we're taught to suppress the symptoms. It's not, you can't always heal a person, right? So then you try to suppress the symptoms. And this is what we're taught, you know, if they have these symptoms, give them this. So it's not like the doctors are being bad doctors or mean doctors or whatever. It's, it's, they're just doing what they were trained to do. Yeah. So, but it's, yeah, but it's, it's interesting because then people also get you know, anxiety right. medication. That's a classic that that happens so often. Yeah. I see people get that. Well, and thankfully I'm 
you know, educated enough to be like, um, no, hold up. <laughs> Wait a second. But there's a lot of people who aren't. And I have to, I have to go back for just a second, what you were talking about, about the whole intuitive thing. So this morning I was sitting here working and all of a sudden this song popped into my head and I said, oh my gosh, grandpa Joe, I have not heard from you in forever. Like I'm starting to finally understand that and and so I was able to sing the lyrics of this song that I probably haven't heard since I was six years old. And and I could just sense his presence with me. I'm not quite sure he would, why he was here, maybe just to say hi and sing me a song, but I <laughs> so heard it and it was beautiful and wonderful. So I I loved what you said about, you know, everybody can can just learn to um understand these messages and and when we have these connections come through from spirit world. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, it's just a matter of, of learning to trust it. And so after I graduated, so one of the messages that came through when I was told to go to medical school was that I had to write two books, no wait, three. And I was like, what do you mean write a book? What am I supposed to write about? This is back in 2004. Never thought of myself as an author. And the message I would get is just when time is right, we will, we will tell you. And it's just a classic. So for years, and I would get to med school and I would say, okay, hello, spirit world. I'm at med school. What do I do now? And it would get the same, literally for four years, I got the same message. Just concentrate on finishing school, get your degree, focus on your degree, get through school. I thought I was like, okay, after all these years, I must have lost my mind because here I am in med school in my fifties <laughs> right. and why, why did, am I, have I lost my mind? And then sure enough, as soon as I graduated or towards the end, like the last six months, the spirit world came back in starting, you know, it's almost time to write your book. Uh, the title of your book is med school after menopause, the journey of my soul. And so then as soon as I graduated, I started writing an outline and it's called med school after menopause to inspire other people that it's never too late to transform your life. And there is, I think, one chapter about what it's like to be in med school when you're in your 50s and everybody else is in their 30s. <laughs> but it's actually not that bad because you have so much more um, life experience to draw on and you, you require less sleep because you're older. So that worked in my favor. And it's, you know, it's not any harder. The only thing that's different from, because I got my um, undergraduate degree in the early 1980s. And so back then people, you know, the, the teachers wrote on the blackboard. Now everything is PowerPoints. So the teachers fly through the lectures. You know, it's about a PowerPoint. We had on average, um, the first two years of med school starts with four hour lecture from eight to noon. And then you have classes in the afternoon and into the evening. So on average, I would say it was about 50 slides an hour. So it's 200 PowerPoint slides a day, about a thousand PowerPoint slides a week. And then they'll say, okay, we're having a quiz, 10 questions. And you're thinking on a thousand PowerPoint slides. Yeah. That's what it's like. And you just have to, you learn to absorb the information. You better remember it. You hear it once and you're going to recall that at some point on that little quiz, because if you get less than seven out of 10, you're flunk. So, and people flunk out of med school. So after that first quarter, uh, when we came back, there was, you know, almost half the class was missing. People had wow. either said, this is not for me. Uh, this is too crazy. Or they just couldn't keep up with the course load because it's, we did 32 credits in 11 weeks. Wow. Yeah, it's the pace. So I tell people it's not that it's hard. It's the pace of of the of of teaching. So you have to absorb so much material so quickly and you have to recall it. And so that's the hard part, training your mind to, you know, just I, I've heard it once now I know it, but you, you're not going to be on it for four hours every morning, you know, every day of the year. So anyway, so I wrote my book. Um, med school after menopause, <clears throat> the journey on my soul. And in the book, it starts with, it tells my near-death experiences in detail. And my, my first near-death experience happened um, after my third child was born. But this child was also born between a 7.4 and a 7.2 earthquake. So it's, it starts there. 
And then it's, it, it, I, I try to teach people, um, how do you, how do you fall? How do you know what to follow that you have to kind of put your mind aside and just listen to that heart? What is it that my true essence, my true heart, what is it that that wants? Because your logical mind is going to tell you it's not a good idea. What are you, what are you thinking? Right? Like my mind did and said, it's not a good idea to go to med school. And I had to learn to put that aside. But then um, I take you through the book and I give a lot of different examples of how I became clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, and how that can look for somebody. And then at the end of each chapter, there is um, like a message for each chapter that you can easily incorporate um, this message into your own daily lives so that you can start paying attention to just like you, you noticed your grandfather, you heard that song, right? And all these intuitive experiences, because we are all intuitive. We are all intuitive creatures. We all have the capacity of connecting with the spirit world to follow our intuition. But, you know, especially in the Western world, we learn to suppress that. But we, we all have it. And it's just a matter of tuning into that. Uh, because once you do, that's when you will find your true happiness, your true um, love for what you're doing. And when my children were little, I would tell them, I don't care what you do when you grow up. I don't care if you get a college degree. I don't care what you major in. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, or a, you know, decide to be a bicycle repair person. And, and because you, you love biking and you love bicycles because that passion, if you have a passion for that, people will bring their bikes to you and they will get your advice, you know, this bike versus that bike and how to tune it and how to fix it. But it comes from that passion. And, you know, people who have, you know, a, a passion for something, those are the people who are drawn to have a passion for baking or whatever. And I would tell them, I don't care if you collect milk bottle caps, <laughs> right? because if you have, if you have, if you collect milk bottle caps, you're going to have the biggest collection in the world. And one day you will have a museum and people will travel to see your milk bottle cap collection because you have a passion for it. And it's all about finding that passion in your heart and then, and then trusting that and going for it. Because yes. we all, yeah, that that's, you know, and that's who we are. That's our true essence. And, you know, that's what my book is all about, helping people find their intuitive mediumistic skills and finding their own passion and then how, you know, transform their own life by taking them on a journey, basically, of my own life with some pretty funny stories along the way. That's so fabulous. I have three kids as well up here for the, those little video. Uh, and I tell them the same thing. I've always said, follow your heart, follow your passion. And uh, I'm so proud of the oldest. Well, I'm proud of both of my boys are finishing up college, but the oldest had directed away from where he wanted to go. He was always just so brilliant with computers and science and math. And last year, so he's 28 now, lives in Denver. And last year he had said to me, or even a couple months ago, I really want to go back to school. I, I really want to go back to school. I want to get my an engineering degree in computer science. And I said, then do it. Only you can make it happen. Do it. And he is finishing up his first semester back at the University of Denver, Colorado, Denver. And I'm so proud of him. He's taken six classes plus a lab and he's got this crazy load, but he is loving it. And um, I'm just so incredibly proud of him because, yeah, that message that uh, just follow your heart and your passion. You'll keep you'll keep I think the universe, God, angels, whoever they keep tapping you on the shoulder and nudging. Right. Yep. And saying, nope, yeah. this way. <laughs> you're right. It's like you're on the you're on the wrong track. You know, some of some of us have to have a near death experience to get on the right track. Right. And I always joke about that because I was I was born and raised in Sweden, which is northern Europe. And then going through junior high, it was really good in chemistry, <clears throat> biology, physics. And the counselor said, Oh, you should you should major in the sciences in high school, because we actually major. And after high school, wow. if you're going to be a doctor, you go straight to medical school because you already did all the sciences, the chemistry, biology, physics, and all that in high school. And I looked at the, at the people that were studying in the science line and they were, you know, 95% of them were boys back then. Cause this is a 1970s, you know? And I said that I, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. I'm never going to have any friends. 
And so I majored in business and languages. And then I fell in love with an American and that's how I landed in the United States. And then um, we got married after dating across the, the Atlantic Ocean. And so I was only 21 when I got married and he had a year left at uh, Boston University and we had just gotten married and I took a job as the biomedical, um, biomedical engineering secretary, department secretary uh, for Boston University. And I would sit there and type research papers for these professors. I had no idea what I was typing. It was just like letter by letter because my English wasn't that good yet. And then after a year, we were supposed to go back to Sweden. I had already started at Stockholm University studying economics, and which I didn't like. And then the professors at the engineering school said, oh, you have such a knack for computers. Why don't you study engineering? And I said, I can't do that. So then I studied again, I studied business. So I went to the business school at Boston University, studied business and management information systems. So kind of like computer science, but within the business school. And then I worked as a programmer and systems analyst for IBM in New York. <laughs> so you can see where I came from. Yeah. Very logical, very, you know, an atheist. I didn't believe in anything. When you die, it's black, you're gone. You know, that's it. Very materialistic worldview. And then I had my near-death experiences. So it took, you know, a long time. It took me a good 12 years to even, okay, this, this is something because the spirit world can't tell me the truth every single time, right? Of things happening. And then um, another, you know, so now it's been about 25 years of, of integrating this and, you know, showing me who I am and what I'm here to do. But it is funny because I was going down the wrong track in the beginning. And so I always joke that, you know, there, the spirit world was saying, she's on the wrong track. We've got to fix this. So, <laughs> right. you know. So she didn't get it on her first near-death experience. So let's let's make sure she has another one. <laughs> so two years later, had another one um, just to make sure she gets the message. So that's what I joke about. And I feel like, you know, sometimes it's it's like that. We have these experiences, these hardships, but it is these hardships that that teaches us to grow and become a different person. You know, I always say it's like planting a seed in the in the ground and growing a baby in a womb or you know. The, the transformation happens in that darkness. And it's, we go through these dark periods in our life because life is a roller coaster. And we wish that we could always be at the top of that roller coaster. But then, you know, we go down and we hit this valley because, you know, life is full of, of obstacles and uh, it's just a journey. And we just have to remember that when we go through these darker periods, when we're down in that valley, it's only temporary. And you know, life energy doesn't stay stagnant. Energy moves and shifts, and so does your life, and so does your experiences. So there's always the things are going to change. You know, so for listeners out there, if you're if you're down in that valley right now, remember it's temporary, and you know, a year from now your life is going to look very different. And it's just this is something that's as miserable as it can be when you're down in that valley. Uh, things will eventually get better because they they don't stay the same things, things aren't stagnant. Yeah. So just, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Keep moving through that. I had uh, sent you questions beforehand and I said, we probably won't even get to have them because we're having this wonderful conversation, but so I, I do want to touch upon a few of them, but only because I loved, again, I loved your answers so much because you kindly sent me answers back beforehand. Um, so, so really your audience then is everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's who all of us experience um, yeah. this roller coaster ride and, and needing healing. And we, you know, while some of us may not have horrible traumatic events in our lives, trauma still comes in. If I mean, grief, if we lose a loved one, it, it can be a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there is, you know, no, there is, it's not like this person had, you know, more trauma and this person had less trauma. I always look at it as that's the ticket you got when you were out there in the spirit world and you pulled that ticket and you're like, this this is my ticket. Number 528. Okay. I'm going to resolve this in my lifetime. (laughs) And, you know, people have a tendency to think we all, you know, we're human. My, my problems are worse than anybody else's, you know, and the people, the Johnsons that live down the street, 
they have new cars and they look like such a perfect family. But guess what? Going through medical school, there is no such thing as a perfect family. And you can never tell on the surface, you know, of that person and the facade that they put up, what lurks behind that facade. And to me, it's like, you know, everybody has trauma that they're working through. It just depends on that ticket. What, you know, the ticket they got from the spirit world. They, they pulled that one ticket. This is what I'm going to resolve. And somebody else said, no, I'm, I'm taking on this ticket. It's got, you know, 14 things on it. And somebody else might have three, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll have, other, they'll have other tickets to resolve too. So it's just, a, you know, we have to be um, compassionate towards each other and towards everybody because there is no such thing as an easy life. Nobody right. has an easy life. Everybody has problems and issues and trauma to deal with. And some people don't even know they have trauma because they haven't even gotten to the point where they're, they're figuring out that they did have trauma. So, you know, just the, the we have to be more compassionate and accepting um, towards all people in this world, yes. regardless of, you know, faith, religion, uh, race, it doesn't matter. It's just, we have to be more compassionate. Yes. Amen. Again. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I, I've learned to laugh about it now, but I do jokingly say, I don't know what line I got into in heaven before I came down here, but I'm really irritated with myself because I'm an overachiever by nature. And I think I was like, oh yeah, I'll take that. Oh, I'll take that one too. Oh, and if you want to add that, that's okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you'll just do all of those tickets. Sure. Put them in my bucket. I'm ready. Exactly. I got it. Those. I got it. No, fly down. <laughs> You got your little bucket and then you get here and you don't remember any of those right. you know, tickets that you pulled in the spirit world. And they just kind of come up as you go through life. Yeah. Until yeah. I'm sitting here at 56 going, oh, my gosh, I, I signed up for way too much. <laughs> but the beauty, I mean, really, the beautiful part of it is, is that because of all of that, I learned, I've learned so many incredible lessons in, in forgiveness, in love, and um, just things that I really felt like I had to learn and, um, and then help radiate that into the universe with, you know, conversations with you and so many mm-hmm. others. Yeah, it's once we figure that out, it's all about, you know, gratitude and, and acceptance and compassion, because the universe is literally built on love. And, you know, we all carry that during my second NDE, when I stood in that light, it's, that is just unconditional love and peace. And we, we are, we come from that. We are that we return to that. And, you know, that is that spark that we all carry, but it's just a matter of working through our, you know, traumatic events and finding that peace in our heart. Like you said, each individual person has to go on that journey. And, you know, sometimes you can see that somebody is struggling with something, but they're not quite ready to to go there and to heal it yet. And the person has to, you know, find that within themselves. Like, I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to create healing for this, regardless of what the problem is. But it has to come from within that person's own essence, true soul. Yeah, they want that they want that healing, you know, it's like you can't force uh, you can't force healing on somebody It has to it has to come from within that person. Right. Mm. Yeah. You made me think about I haven't talked about this on the show in quite a while. Um, I think I've only talked about it twice before in like 240 episodes, but I had done a meditation and it was a really, really powerful. It's the most powerful meditation I'd ever done. And I was really deep into it, but like these, the, what I call angels with these like lights and they led me, they led Mm -hmm. me. And it wasn't like down a tunnel or anything, but it was into this, like through this space. And there was this veil. It was all I can consider as a smoky veil. And um, I was given a glimpse behind the veil. And what I can tell you is that it lasted what was a millisecond yet eternity. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I can describe it. And in that was what you just said, mm-hmm. this incredible love mm-hmm. and peace mm-hmm. that I knew that's where I had come from. And that's where I was being drawn to return to. And then when I came back out of that, I really was a changed person because 
that it, I usually I'll cry when I talk about it, but it's, it's, it was such an incredibly beautiful and real, uh, the most real experience I'd ever had, but yes, um, it's love and peace. Yeah. It's a spiritually transformative experience and yes. FTE. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they're so powerful because they change who you are. Yeah. Yes. Amen. How are we doing on time? Oh my gosh. We're, we, we could go on and on and on and on. So is there anything that you wanted to touch upon that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Oh, there's so many things. I know. <laughs> Do we have another three hours? <laughs> right. Right. Um, let's see. I think we talked we talked about the ancestral healing and the importance of, of, um, you know, creating healing for yourself. Sometimes we don't see that uh, the things that we're struggling with are passed down through yeah. the generations and it can be, uh, you know, any kind of uh, problem. It could even be, you know, anxiety, OCD, um, it, even physical events. So uh, things that happen to us, I call it the ancestor clock, uh, things that happen to our parents, to our mother, and sometimes they repeat almost at the exact same age. You know, when we go through, um, so I have so many allergies. So there we go. It's a, everything is blooming here in Phoenix. So, um, so sometimes things just get passed down and people get sick at the exact same age. Their mother got sick or their father, depending on, you know, who they're kind of entangled with. Uh, they have the same experiences. They have the same emotional kind of stress and trauma. Uh, it might not be caused by the same event, but the experience is the same. And so that is uh, really interesting to, to work with because I see it so much. And I, many times when I work as a medical intuitive, and it really comes out that it's an, an ancestral entanglement uh, because we are not only do we inherit trauma via DNA, which we now know, right? Right. So it gets passed down on our genes. So if our grandfather served in World War II and he was afraid every time he heard the sirens go off, he thought he was going to die. And now the granddaughter has anxiety attacks every time she hears the siren, but she didn't have any traumatic event in her own life. So where is it coming from? And that those are things that can actually be passed down via the DNA. But not only are we entangled with the DNA, we're also entangled by our own experiences in childhood with these people or what I call the invisible grid. Because sometimes you're entangled with uh, your grandparents. You know the story about them maybe, but you, 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 uh, they passed away when you were five. See what I'm saying? But you know the story and this, you know, grandmother had this problem and blah, 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 blah. And when you look at it, your, the, egg you can, the egg that you came from, from your mother, the ovarian egg, she made that egg when she was a 20 week old fetus in her mom's womb. So your grandmother's womb. So what happened in your grandmother's life when your mom was a baby in, in her tummy, right? All those experiences, did that get transferred down? And so sometimes, you know, we go through life and we think we have this, um, we, we think that it's just us and we're in complete control of our life because that's how we perceive life. But the truth is that we are quite entangled with our ancestors and um, via DNA and the invisible grid and from our own experiences in childhood. And we kind of merge with those types of behavior because that's what we see. That's what we experience. And then we repeat it subconsciously. So it's it's absolutely fascinating. Oh, my gosh. I'm your new biggest fan. So I'm just like I'm, <laughs> I'm so enthralled by all of it. I, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and how crazy that about, oh, I don't know, three months ago, I was like, I should go back to school and like be a naturopath. And I literally got online. So now I get all these like emails from um, there's like a school in New Hampshire and a school in California. And so it was like, because I had reached out and started researching and thought, you know, I need to help people heal because of what I had been through. And that is just yeah. amazing. So you're, yeah, you're my hero. So <laughs> never too it. late. I know. I know. I'm like, ah, I'm 56. I can go back and do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's oh. never it's never too late to follow that path, because if you look right. at it, you know, our life expectancy now 
you know, is so much greater than it was even 20 years ago, 40 years ago. When I was little, when my dad turned 50, it was a big celebration. And if people came with flowers and, oh. you know, my dad didn't work that day and food was served because he made it to 50, right? It was an old age. You know, now we're like 50. That's, <laughs> like, that's 30, like the middle, right? Right. right. right? I had... I had a, a psychic tell me once, uh, 92 comes to mind, 92, 92, 92. And I was like, so now I just tell myself, well, that just means I'm going to die when I'm 92. So I always just say, I've got 36 more years left. I have a lot to do. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. You weren't even a, an adult until you were 21. So you've right. already lived half your life. Yeah, exactly. And if you're going to be healthy, you know, there are people, I have patients in their 90s that are fully functioning and out in the world and doing all these great things. And I'm just looking at that thinking, wow, you know, maybe I'm going to be one of those people in my nineties and I'm still out there fully functioning. But when you look at it that way and you're in your fifties, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've only lived half my life. I got so much more time. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's such a great way to put it. You know, when you really like life started at like 21, 22 years old, and that was only 30 years ago. So really I'm at the halfway point. Yes, you're yeah. only halfway. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of time. And then when you look exactly. at picking up a two-year or four-year degree, that seems like nothing now. Right. You know, in the context of wow, I got like 30, 40 years left. Yeah. And it seems like nothing. And then you're changing your life and you're becoming this new person. And and with that comes all the excitement too. I'm doing something new. I'm on a new path and you meet new people, right? And so you grow and you change and, and life becomes very exciting and fun, especially if you feel, you know, somebody's listening, feeling stagnant and, you know, I need a change, you know, go find yeah. that change. And it's, it's those baby steps, you know, that, yeah. that leads you on that new path. I was, I was running a business out of my house. I was teaching my kids. I was driving them to the city every day while I went and did all my prereqs. I woke up at 4 a.m. to finish my homework and leave for school at 7, you know, be in school from 8 to 11, back home. And, you know, everything, it's doable. You know, yeah. it's just because the excitement drives you too. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm going to do this, right? And well, then you, and that's what I say to the audience. Time. Yeah, for anybody listening, the same thing goes that I told my son, only you can make it happen. And yeah, yeah. and if you keep having that tap on your shoulder, that whisper in your ear, uh, nudging you in in a direction. Yes, that's your soul talking to you and uh, do it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. How do people get in touch with you? How do they find you and your book? Yes. So the book is... Med School After Menopause, The Journey on My Soul. And it actually won an award about six months ago. It won the gold medal from Living Now Book Awards um, in the category of spiritual leadership. And it's available on Amazon and all these other online book platforms, Barnes & Noble. And it's available in ebook. It's available in print. And it's available in audio. audio Okay. And my websites are Dr. Lottie, D-R-L-O-T-T-E.com. And that talks more about what I do, you know, when I work as a physician and these are the different conditions typically that I see. But then there is a button there that you can go to my other website and it says, do you want to work with Dr. Lottie spiritually? Click here. And then that takes you to divinespiritualessence.com. So D-I-V-I-N-E, divinespiritualessence.com. And there you can see all the spiritual sessions. So medical intuitive, ancestral healing, uh, wholehearted, which is psychic and mediumship. And I tell people, it doesn't really matter so much. You know, if if you don't know if you need ancestral healing, just sign up for medical intuitive because it's going to come out. If if that's where the session is going to go, that's where it's going to go. So we just kind of follow, you know, what comes in spiritually and what the client tells me. And then we just put it all together and we just, you know, we try to create healing, whatever that healing may look like for that person. Um, It could be sometimes people will sign up because I call it like a medical intuitive and wellness and that's because sometimes people want to work with me, but they live in a different state or, you know, they want uh, kind of like an educational session. Do you know of any other ways to treat this condition that I was diagnosed with? And then I can help them find the pr- practitioners in their state. Sometimes, you know, I think you need to be looking for somebody like this. 
because many times people aren't aware of different kinds of practitioners that are out there and what they do and how they can be helped by them. Yeah. And uh, so a medical intuitive can become ancestral healing, uh, a wellness educational information, or um, a combination of all of the above, you know, but there's always medical intuitive and connection with the spirit world at some point. Because when I work, I always work with my spirit guides. So I will, they will tell me things and I will say, I'm hearing this. Is that what's going on? So that's how you can book a session and you can just go online and, and find that. <clears throat> and then my uh, podcast is called Dr. Lottie Science with Soul. And that's on all the different platforms. And I interview different kinds of um, physicians, uh, homeopaths, acupuncturists, um, functional neurologists, as well as um, mediums, uh, shamans, uh, to make that to make the connection between science and soul, um, to try and help create healing for people physically, emotionally, and spiritually, by bringing in different types of practitioners that many people haven't heard of, uh, and different you know medical conditions that they see, so people will know where where to turn to find help so that they can heal. Wow, beautiful! And again, thank you so very much for all the work you do in the world. Wow. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywellbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, You can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope strategies. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.